This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard, everybody. Nate Clayberg for episode four of our uh, That's a Job podcast and went through the three episodes of my life from my part-time jobs to jobs that I actually went to school for and then jobs that I didn't go to school for, but uh, uh, through experience and training, uh, you know, I ended up uh, in the world of economic development. I'm going to bring on somebody who also just ends up in the world of economic development, and that's a good friend of mine, Aaron Buzza, that uh, we go back. I was trying to think through this uh, from my days at UNI, and and uh, I like to name drop on this one with Justin Sell, um, you know, in the Unidome, and and uh, you know his involvement as an as a, an associate athletic director at the time for for Northern Iowa. Uh, that's where you guys came uh, to connect, and then uh, that's how I connected with you along the way. But uh, your world is tourism, and and tourism is something that everybody does, um, whether you uh, do a staycation or stay local or travel abroad or here and there. Um, but Aaron, welcome aboard and tell us who you are, where you are, what you do right now. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yes. Thanks for the name drop on, on Justin. I would have gotten there eventually <laughs> well, and, yeah. and given you three reasons why it would have taken me that long to get there. Um, this is you said it, tourism is, is what I do. It's funny, I, I was explaining to a group of students not that long ago that I've been working in tourism my entire life with just a small pit stop outside of tourism. Um, I grew up in, in Southeast Minnesota, as many folks know, um, in a tourism community. And so my first jobs were in restaurants. I baked pies. A at a pie shop along a bicycle trail, uh, worked in three different restaurant jobs uh, in my hometown. And so that was tourism. I didn't really realize it. And if you just said, hey, this is going to be your career, I just said, you're probably joking. And I probably would have used other words outside of that because, you know, vocabulary was conditioned by the kitchen that I worked in. Um, went to college thinking radio and TV broadcasting and did an internship, realized that it wasn't necessarily the career path that I wanted to take because the pay was terrible and the hours were terrible. So if you want to have friends, if you want to have relationships, all of that is really, really difficult in radio and TV. And, and even the, the good jobs at ESPN, for instance, you look at the, the top of the the pyramid there, Scott Van Pelt works till midnight every night and sees his kids little bits and pieces throughout the day. So that, that wasn't necessarily the path I wanted to take. Took a job in, in radio sales there in Waterloo and within, I don't know, six months or so, my boss said, you should check this job out. And it was a job with the Waterloo Convention and Visitors Bureau. Sports sales, that's how I got involved with, with you and I specifically. Um, and, and from there, it was, it was obvious that it was something that I enjoyed doing. Um, very, very early on, I thought this, this is something I like. Um, transitioned uh, in, in some roles there uh, as we transitioned through leadership there and ultimately ended up 
running the Waterloo Convention and Visitors Bureau for about 10 years. And then an opportunity presented itself here in Macon, Georgia, um, working for Gary Wheat, who I had worked for in Waterloo um, before I took over the leadership of the organization. And uh, he had created a role and said, hey, if you know of anybody, we talked about it. And, and it was a time within the family life, within the, the girls' lives that wouldn't have, I joked, uh, led to me being murdered in, in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, with older teenage kids, you might not necessarily get the same sort of reaction when you go home and say, hey, we're moving 900 well, I, miles away. Well, I can think uh, back to that. What's been, what, four or five years you've been down there? Is that long? It's almost been? five. Yeah. Coming up on, <laughs> so, on, on five years. Yeah, I think when it came up that, uh, and your wife was pretty ingrained in the community and the work that she was doing with with uh, Orlu schools and, and all the stuff she'd been in, it's like, buzzes are really leaving Waterloo um, and leaving the state, you know, altogether. Uh, I think it was a little shocking, but um, probably, you know, just talk through that. That's that's the lifestyle style piece when people start talking about jobs and and what they are, but we also talking about where they are and, and what you want to get out of it. Talk through that process when when this came up and and that that real conversation you had to have not just with Krista uh, with Crystal, but also with your family and just pulling the trigger and saying we're leaving and moving south. Well, it was it, we had had the conversation that you know either you stay in one place forever. And in, in the tourism business, that is really, really, really an outlier. Um, you know, I, I was actually just hearing about a position that was available to lead an organization because in the job description, it says the beloved leader, the beloved incumbent <laughs> has retired or somebody's passed away. And, and rare is the opportunity to stay in a place for that long. Um, so it felt like, a time that we could take a look elsewhere. Um, I had a, a little birdie on my shoulder in, in the form of a board member and friend saying, this might not be a bad time to take a look elsewhere. You need to have an opportunity to grow professionally if you want to. And you know, again, Gary and I were talking a little bit. I had actually interviewed for his old position in Aurora, Colorado. And you know, we were talking after that. And I obviously didn't get that position um, and, and he had created this spot and not even thinking, Hey, let me call Buzz and see if he wants it. But, you know, it was, it was a good opportunity. Um, not necessarily a leadership role, but it, it allowed me to get into an organization that was about three times, almost four times larger budget size, um, certainly more staff members. And I could, work for somebody that I knew, work with somebody that I knew, and do some observation too, as far as how does a larger team work if I ever want to take that step forward and, and uh, run an organization that's, that's a little bit larger than what Waterloo was. It's hard to jump from point A to point 17 right, uh, right. without some experience. So Crystal and I actually came down to Macon and spent the weekend here, took a look around. I visited with staff members. She took a look at schools. Um, and then we just kind of looked at what the community had. You know, what did, it, what did it feel like? And that's a, that's a weird 
yep. way to judge things. And, and my parents said, you know, when I was looking at colleges, you can't just judge by feel, which is true. But when they've got the programs you want and it feels right, that's probably pushing you in a certain direction. So, um, you know, we felt like this was a community that we could be comfortable in. It had a lot of similarities to Waterloo, just a little bit bigger. Right. Um, some of the same challenges as Waterloo. But looking at uh, making the decision to, to leave, you know, Waterloo and that tourism job, I think that, you know, our, the generations before us, I would even say our generation, um, I think there is some some challenge of feeling like you've built something, don't want to let maybe some people down uh, or step away from it. Um, I think that maybe has evolved a little bit in, in some of the younger generations um, uh, in how they make that decision. But um, stepping outside of yourself and even having that board member say, well, maybe this is the right time for you. And mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily about, you know, woe is us, what's our organization going to do, right? Um, you got it. It's, it's probably hard for you to think that way, wasn't it? Quite a bit. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I, I think I really thought about was we're in a good spot now. And, and we in, in Waterloo, we're in a good spot now. We're on a good trajectory. We've got a good amount of, of money sitting there in case of the opportunity presenting itself where we need to make an investment or in case something hits the fan and we don't have the income. So we're, we're in a good financial spot um, and, and things are pretty even. Maybe this is a good time. And, and this is what I really thought about. Maybe this is a good time, not only for me, but for the organization to have new leadership, have new vision. Mm -hmm. And, and that's important too. And I'm not, you know, trying to pat myself on the back too much thinking that way, but but there was some thought that maybe this is an okay time because maybe I've hit that top of, you know, top of the elevator of yeah. here for the organization. And it's, it's as much for me as it is for the organization and as much for the organization as it is for me. Yeah. And you, you know, you see it in sports too of, or do people retire too late or leave too late or mm -hmm. get pushed out and maybe get too comfortable, but uh, you know, moving in to, to where you're at right now, uh, making Georgia Convention Visitors Bureau. Um, talk about coming into there. Um, I, I, we talked a little bit before recording that the job coming in, uh, what it was, that's changed from what you actually have evolved into what you're doing now. Talk exactly. about your role and, and that work. Well, I started here with the idea of some sports sales because our sales team just wasn't comfortable with sports at all. And so Gary said, you've done it. You built the, the Cedar Valley Sports Commission. I've seen you do it because that's what I was doing when he was there. You can, you can help us in, in that role. Plus we'll then- talk, Stop okay. there and talk through that. When you, when you talk about sports sales, what, what is that? When you say you're, you're selling sports, what is that? What are you doing? We in tourism are representing all of the ball diamonds, all of the gyms, all of the ice hockey uh, rinks, every facility in a community to AAU and Little League and cheer competitions and, and wrestling events. We're a conduit to connect. And it's exploded over the last 10 years. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It is. And we just had some consultants here in town helping us with our, our sports planning. 
it's recession proof is what they've said. And, and it's proven to be true in, in 08 and 09 when everything was slowing down, people were still traveling because um, somebody said one time, your daughter's only 12 once. And if she's involved in a cheer competition or a softball event, if your son's a wrestler, you're gonna hit a point where they're probably not going to be a collegiate athlete or a professional athlete. So there's an endpoint in their sports career. So you're gonna invest in that and, and enjoy that experience while you have that experience. And so, um, yeah, sports is, is very much recession-proof and, and we become a conduit connecting the, the facility with the planner and, and try to make whatever connections we can to bring an event here to our community. Real emotional play is what you're, you're getting into there. Uh, talking with parents and, but you're talking hotels, you're talking restaurants, you're talking shopping. And, you know, I think some of those, you know, it's probably not unusual for a family to drop 500 bucks, 600 bucks, 700 bucks in a weekend, come into a softball tournament or a soft soccer tournament. And that pays dividends for that local community and economy, doesn't it? Depending on the event, depending on the age of the child and depending on whether it's a, a girl or boy, you might see, you know, mom and dad and the kid. And they go out to restaurants and then of course they're going to hit the Walmart. They're going to hit the, the local shops. Or if it's a young lady, that travel party sometimes doubles, sometimes triples for whatever reason. And, and I, I can speculate reasons because I think parents might be more inclined to say, Hey, 13 year old boy, you can go with your coach and, and, you know, a few chaperones where maybe we're a little bit more protective of the girls yeah, and yeah. right, wrong or indifferent mom and dad, and grandparents and aunts and uncles. So you've got a whole family of 12 or 14 going to a restaurant and then there is more shopping and there is more activity. Um, so you can see you know, five or 600 bucks easily. You could see a thousand to $1,500 easily right. depending on right. what it is, what time of year and, and what else there is available in the community too. So heading to Macon, looking at sports sales, but then things evolve. Things evolved. I was doing some a, a few other things as well. Uh, we have a customer service training program that I'm in charge of. Um, we have our membership program that I was in charge of. And then our uh, film commission, and, and film is big here in Georgia, each of the 159 counties in the state have at least one representative who's a liaison with the state of Georgia and, and the state film office to take the incoming calls if somebody's interested in filming here radio or television or film um streaming now i don't even know what if that counts as tv or film <laughs> streaming there's, um, there's there's a hole in there probably they're trying to figure out exactly um and, and similar to being that liaison for a sports facility a set of ball fields we're a liaison when a film company goes to the state and says i'm looking for an old roller skating rink and they'll put out a message and, hey, you have an old roller skating rink, or I'll get a call from the film office directly. So anyway, um, we had a film commission that represented the community that was created in 2009. It was all volunteers, and it was a division of our film festival for a variety of reasons, because people were moving or became a grandfather for the first time or had other business opportunities. All of those volunteers came to us and said, 
would you guys be interested in taking this on? Because this is not dissimilar to what you do, whether it's for conventions or sporting events or right. a reunion. And we're not going to do it anymore. We're all out. And Gary and I talked about it. And, and uh, I said, you know, I, I think we should do it. We can't let this falter and, and just go away. But we have no idea what this is going to take. What's the time? What's the, what's the cost? How many hours is somebody putting in? When does, when does a phone call come in? How do you pay somebody for that? You, you can't write a job description. So I said, if, if somebody else can do the sports sales because we were hiring a new salesperson, why don't I just answer the phone? We'll see where it goes and then make plans around that after the end of the fiscal year. And, and we were approached in July so we had basically a full fiscal year uh, in which to sort of measure it. And our board was very supportive. They said, yeah, let's, let's reevaluate at the end of the year and see where things go. And I'll bet you, Nate, within two weeks, my phone rang. And it was a, here's another interesting job, uh, a film location scout a photographer <laughs> who called yeah. me and said, hey, I'm Dan, and I'm looking for this and this and this. And the film we're working on, I can't tell you this officially. You can't tell anybody this officially, uh, but it's Zombieland 2. So I need to, to find some space. And he came down, and I had no idea what I was doing because this was the first time I, I answered right. the phone. He hopped in my car. We drove around. He took a bunch of pictures, kind of told me what to expect. And, and that was maybe the most valuable afternoon I spent in this entire process with him saying, here's what you need to do. Here's what I need from you. And here's how this works going forward. Well, you talk about the customer service piece of, you know, um, there's probably some towns or locations or even the committee you had before that they were set in their ways of how they do things and how things have been run. But you were actually listening to that customer of listening to basically, if I ran this, here's how I would do it. And mm -hmm. you were kind of, you were, you were green to it. So you were probably just, you're absorbing that to try and figure out how you adjust to it. But you know, when, when something like that comes in and I don't think people realize it um, it's the same thing as a soccer team coming in, right? Probably 12 soccer teams, hotels, food, catering, shopping, and they're probably employed local people too, to be extras or help on site or things like that too. Correct. To a certain extent, the, the locals, yes. Um, but very much uh, hotels, there's, um, they need security, they need street closures. So it's our local sheriff's right. deputies who are being paid off the clock hours, but they're being paid by the film company. Um, and, and I can give you a, a very specific example of the money that comes in. Uh, Netflix was here for a week filming scenes for Hillbilly Elegy when they had that. Um, this was July, 2018. And I'm sorry, 2019. And again, they were here for a week. For the amount of police coverage, they spent about $125,000. Just they on did, police coverage. Just on police coverage. Uh, about 1,400 hotel rooms. Each of the crew, and it was more than 100 crew members, got $65 a day per diem because there's, they're here and they're being fed on set during the working hours, but then you got to go have dinner somewhere or you got to go have breakfast somewhere, depending on the hours of the day. 
So they get 65 bucks. Most of the time that gets spent here in the community. And the county made um, just in fees for road closures about $24,000. So it was easily a million dollars or more that was spent directly here in the community. Right. And, I, yeah. and that doesn't include, hey, I need to use your storefront. Can we paint it? Because we need to make it look like a hardware store. And, you know, there's, <laughs> there's money that changes hands there, too. Well, we all said at the end of the movies and we see all the credits and and all the jobs that come into those things. And and then at the end, you see the uh, the Georgia Peach logo pops up for the for the Georgia Film Commission. And um, I, let's uh, let's name drop before we close this out. Uh, sure. Famous people that have come across uh, your your way down there and doing this. I, I can tell you the one that that stands out the most. And there have been a few. Um, you know, I was this far away from Jesse Eisenberg and, and waved to Woody Harrelson. Um, but for Hillbilly Elegy, the director was Ron Howard. And the guys that were my points of contact with the film who are location manager, assistant location manager. And I, and I do wanna say something back to what you said about the customer service before I do the Ron Howard story. Um, that crew I've worked with a couple of different times now and when we were looking for a spot for them to hang a crane or to, to use a crane to hang the moon um, because they needed a full moon for this car crash that was happening at night, they had to bring down a, a, an engineer to figure out if the crane was actually gonna sit properly on this road that they were using or if the road was gonna collapse. So structural engineers there, and I just went out and met my point of contact and he said, dude, nobody does this. Nobody comes out and just like hangs out and makes sure that everybody shows up. Why, why? And I said, why wouldn't I be here? A, it's interesting to me because I want to learn. But B, you're here. So shouldn't I be here just to make sure everything goes smoothly for you? And he said, yeah, dude, nobody does this. So, you know, it, it is beneficial to me because I'm learning. But, but then those location also, managers are like, we need to go back to Macon. You know, right. that's that yep. goes to the top of their list or where they need to be if you've got what they need. And, and I think, you know, and I've said this to students before. One of the best sports salespeople I've ever run across was not a sports fan. She was the farthest thing from a sports fan. Like went because her kids had wrestling meets and things like that, but went in not assuming anything. You know, I, I'm a baseball fan. So I'm going to assume a few things based on my experience watching ball. She didn't at all. And, and I've sort of taken that into this role because I don't know the first thing about making a movie. So I need to absorb all the information. I need to learn. And it, I can't assume anything, which I think is, is really helpful along with just showing up. So back to Ron Howard. Yeah, we got to get back to Opie Cunningham. They... Uh, there's, there's several instances where he ran into people here in town and it's just, it's just fun because he's the most unassuming guy um, doing his thing. And he jumps off this van. I happened to be there standing with my point of contact, Patrick. And uh, he said, dude, just let's, let's try to be cool. The, the, the place we were looking at, the owners were all excited and, and wanted to know if they could get pictures. And they said, we're not even sure if we're coming here. Let's wait until he's here shooting the movie and we can arrange to get pictures. So I just shook his hand and I said, Hey, Mr. Howard, thanks so much for 
taking a look at Megan. It's great to meet you. And then step back. Oh, yeah, yeah, great, great, great. Yeah, thanks. So we're walking around and it was the weirdest experience because he's talking to his first AD. And I was like, am I, am I in real life? Or am I watching Arrested Development? Because he's the narrator for that. So oh, it was just, yeah. it was kind of surreal in that way. But then we're standing around at this little intersection where this, where the car crash happens. It's hotter than blazes. It was probably 90 and he's got a jacket on, like a puffer jacket, reaches into the pocket. He's digging around, pulls out a, a Clementine, starts peeling it. We're talking. And, and I had been told, just stay in the background, listen. And if there's something that's important that you pick up on, you can interject, but don't, you're not part of the conversation. You're wallpaper. So I'm just standing there listening. He's peeling this Clementine, starts splitting it apart and offering it to people. Hey, want some, want some of my orange? Want some orange? I was like, no, no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. And the assistant director in a very colorful way said, when Ron Howard offers you an orange, you say <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, we all laughed and, and Ron laughed. And then he was here in town for a week and was very kind. People wanted to take pictures, get his autograph. He was more than happy to do that. And then he walked into a record store during one of their breaks. And I assume because people knew in the media that he was there, um, people in town were talking about it. And so the lady who was working at the record store was talking about the Andy Griffith show. And, you know, his ears kind of perked up and, and you know, she's talking about her favorite episode. And he walks up with a couple of records to pay. And he says, you know, I was in that episode. And she said, uh, come on now. No, no, come on. And it, he, you could have, well, my coworker thought he was homeless when he was in our office using the restroom at one point. But so he didn't dress Hollywood. He dressed like you or I might. Um, and so he, again, he's like, no, I was, I was in there. She's like, no, you weren't. Come on now. He's like, no, I she was didn't know. Okay. She didn't know who he was at that point. She had point. no idea. So yeah. she's like, no, baloney, you were not. And he said, no, I'm Ron Howard and pulled out his wallet and showed her his driver's license. And she was like, oh, crap. <laughs> he thought it was hysterical because then he was telling the rest of the crew that and, and just laughing about it. Very, very nice guy. Very unassuming. Um, I met Barry Jenkins, the who directed Underground Railroad and uh, Moonlight, Academy Award winner for Moonlight. Had no idea it was him. Oh, hey, this is our director, Barry. Nice to meet you, sir. Thanks so much for taking a look at Macon. And then know, a week later, I was like, oh, that was Barry Jenkins. Shoot, I should have been more cool. <laughs> but, but, you know, there again, the wallpaper, my interest really in, in having done this isn't who am I going to meet? It's how's this done? How's the puzzle put together? Because then I'm not necessarily, if I meet Tom Hanks, that'd be super cool, but that doesn't help me the next time somebody's making a film here. Right. They don't care that right. Tom Hanks has been here. They care that I might know what I'm talking about when they're putting their puzzle together to make the film. So the world that you're in and the work that you've done, uh, you know, you look back to your time at Wartburg and 
and uh, looking at broadcasting and communications and things like that. Um, you know, I talk to students and talk to parents about, you know, you get so they get so fixated on what they need to study, right? Uh, and what their major needs to be. Um, you're not doing any of probably, you know, there's some sense, probably some of the courses you took at Warburg, but um, talk about the skill sets. It's, it's, it comes down to not necessarily the job title or um, the career, but it's, it's the work you do and the skill sets that, that you either have developed before college, in college, after college, but talk about the skill sets that, that you use on a daily basis or in the work that you're doing. You talked about the customer service piece, but what that is and, and maybe how you felt like you got to the point to, to, to feel like that's a strength of yours. I think one of the things that I would say, even before saying specific skill sets, take as many classes as you can that are maybe outside of your area of interest. You know, if you have the opportunity to take an elective, if you're forced to take an elective, take something that you're curious about, but maybe isn't an easy A. Um, one of the things that I've been asked previously is what would you have done differently, you know, going to college? And I would have said, I probably, as dumb as this sounds, would have taken a bunch of accounting and statistics classes because I'm, I'm doing our research for visit making right now. Um, so being able to answer some specific questions about stats, visitation, that sort of thing. Um, what's the economic impact? And, and then accounting, because if you get to a leadership position within an organization, even not the top of the organization, knowing how the finances work is really helpful. So, um, you know, being curious about something other than what it is that you're majoring in. And I think that helps you be a well-rounded individual, which also helps in that skill set is in any job, I think you need to be able to have a conversation. Right. And probably the thing that I've tried to work on the most myself, and then also suggested that other, others try to work on is in a conversation, actively listen. Don't just formulate your next thought, because I've got some interesting thoughts I can share with you, but maybe something that you say will deviate the conversation and if I don't pick up on that if I'm not actually paying attention to what it is that you're talking about we're done I, I, I've missed the opportunity to have the conversation so ask a good question and then act, actually listen um, and, and I've really had to do that more so with the film things because again I don't know I haven't seen a script I'm, I'm not gonna see a script so I don't know what it is specifically that you're looking for. So I need to be able to ask you a good question and say, where does it, how does this fit within the story? What, what's, the, what's the action that's happening here? So I can make a better suggestion about where we could look here in Macon to find you a spot to make your movie, to make your television show. Um, so I would say that is, is probably skill number one. And that fits into so many other things Right. customer service and, and sales and all of those um, specific jobs. A lot of things happen improperly because we're not listening to one another, truly listening to one another and hearing what the other has to say. Yeah. Communication doesn't quite uh, 
uh, get as much credit as far as what the skill set needs to be. So final question. And uh, of course, you're a guinea pig since I'm just getting started on this as I'm working through my format. But um, dream job. What's your dream job, right? You know, right now, what 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 you say? What what would your dream job be at this point? If I owned an island and just hit golf balls into the ocean. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's that's a really good question. Um, I enjoy doing what I'm doing right now. Um, I think the it, this is going to sound weird because there's so many horror stories out there, but I'd love to go in as almost like just drop me in unbeknownst to anybody and I'm going to do your customer service training on the spot. I see a, a, a failure in customer service. I'm there. Let's fix it right now. And then the grocery store or the restaurant or the, the hardware store has to pay me right on the spot. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an required. on the spot consultant. <laughs> but I, but a I, Jedi, Jedi mind trick maybe just you need to pay me now exactly no but I, I think uh, you know customer service consulting at a large uh, high level you know with call centers and things like that there, there are so many instances that I've run into um, and that friends have run into where again you have a script and, and you don't hear me out you just have to follow your script but you don't actually hear what it is that I have to say. So I get transferred four different places and never actually get the answer that I could have gotten from the first person. Right. Right. Well, Aaron, I appreciate the time uh, on the podcast and uh, you need to learn more about uh, your job and people realizing that's a job, you know, sports sales and movie sales and that whole world that I think we live in, but we just don't pay much attention to until it's brought right to you. But uh, uh, I appreciate the time. Give my best to, to your family. And uh, thank you again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me be the guinea pig. <laughs> thank you again all for being on this journey. You can subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy. Discover the work you are wired to do. Go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.